Alright, before we kick things off here, we now have for sale Adventurous Gentleman hats and t-shirts. So just follow the link either in the show notes or below this episode and you can check those out. Also, if you would like to get a discount on your supplements, head on over to mountainops.com, enter the coupon code TAG10 at checkout and you will get yourself 10% off your order. Also, for you optics enthusiasts out there, Maven has now come out with a rifle scope to go along with their set of fantastic spotting scopes and binoculars. If you'd like to get some free Maven swag with your order, just enter the coupon code NBHGIFT at your checkout and they will send you some free Maven swag. Now on to the show. If you are ready to take the hard road, the road less traveled. The path in life where the journey is more important than the destination. Then you are in the right place. Prepare to live with vigor. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. Sometimes I forget to press the button and I'll be 20 minutes into an interview and it's like, ah, well, shit. The, uh, you know, the pre-interview stuff is always gold. <laughs> It is. It is. I uh, do a series with this guy, Aaron Snyder, and whenever he picks up the phone, I generally push the record button. Immediate, yes. Yeah, I know the first things out of his mouth is going to be gold, so I don't want that to be missed. Yeah, cool. Well, on that note, sometimes I leave shit like this in before I even start the podcast. Like, if I start recording, I think it's it's good. People like the realness of it all. Yeah, and that would be the one thing I think I've always aimed to do with this podcast is... It's got me in a little bit of trouble, but on the whole, it's been a good experience. Yeah, people complain about the wrong stuff, though. You know, like, it's like I always said, like, that guy complaining probably doesn't squat heavy, probably never puts a bar on his back, probably, like, doesn't struggle. And I think even, like, me, if I don't train hard, I find myself, like, I'm like an idiot. (laughs) and, And you walk around because you know you should have used that limited time better. That's right. Yeah. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm complaining about all this stupid shit. I should, it's cause I'm pissed off. I didn't lift. And now I'm taking my, my energy out on something that's just uh nonsense. So fires me up, man. I dude, I know a, exactly what you mean. And I almost have a hard time working. Out. I like working out with people. Some people can work out alone. Yeah, I can. But it won't be my best performance. If you put me in a room with some meatheads who want to move some weight, then, you know, it, it'll go. But Yeah, I, I'm almost always training alone. I wish my schedule worked. But uh, sometimes I actually train with the guys at Rutgers. I'll train with the group, especially if I know it's a group that tends to have a little bit of like a weird energy to it. I'll train with them. And uh, I don't know if they like seeing the older guy getting crushed and then they get hyped up, but I get really hyped up when I train. Like my, my alter ego takes over and I just start getting nuts. They, they, had, they feed off of that. I had a uh, gym buddy, a guy I work out with pretty consistently, tell me I talk like a cartoon when I'm <laughs> working out. Like I don't really do full sentences Yeah, and I'll just kind of shout things or yell things and they don't really make sense. Yeah. You know, it's a little bit of like every motivational speaker you've ever heard talk combined <laughs> into one person just <laughs> saying the shit. It's all blur in the workout. It's all blur. <laughs> exactly. And those are the best workouts, though. I mean, if you get done working out and you can't remember most of the workout, <laughs> it was probably a good workout. Yeah. The pain. You gotta like that. Yeah, you do. Well, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show. This is the Adventurous Gentleman Podcast. And today's guest is considered to be probably one of the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country. Chances are, if you listen to other strength and conditioning (laughs) podcasts, you've probably already listened to them. And that is the man, the myth, the legend, Zach Evanesh. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks, my man. This is a new show, right? Fairly new? Uh, It is new by name and old by... We've been doing it for three years, I think. But recently, I switched over. I was focused mostly on hunting with some fitness. 
And yeah. now it's mostly like outdoors and fitness as a whole, kind of just a place for people who are interested in not just sitting on the couch, basically. Yeah. So when you talk about hunting, I immediately think I always uh, get my buddy Jim Steele on, and he does a lot of goose hunting. He yep. has labs. I mean, he lives for it. Like he, the whole experience, like he, he'll write about it, and you could just tell that when he's not hunting, he's talking about like his canteen with the hot coffee and going out early and waking up early, and then the diner he goes to after he goes hunting. Like you could tell that like it's so part of his blood. And um, you'll have to you'll have to connect with him. I'll make sure you guys get in touch. For sure, he sounds like a good guest. I love. I'll talk about any kind of hunting. To me, hunting is a lot like the gym, where when I'm not doing it, I'm either thinking about doing it or I want to be doing it. Yeah the the first time I I never went hunting, but the first time I came across somebody who went hunting in the uh, town I used to live in. Uh, these two kids, their dad would go hunting and, uh, his, their backyard backed up to the woods. So I guess he like gutted the deer and he just like put them all in like, uh, guts in like a clear plastic garbage bag and they were out in the front yard. And I guess it was like days before garbage pickup. And I remember we were just riding our bikes. We were like, what is that? It was just a clear plastic bag of all the internal organs. And I guess, uh, you know. I don't know if he, uh, you know, uh, ate the meat, but nowadays we hear a lot about people who go hunting, you know, like eating the organs and how healthy it yeah, is. So lot. I guess, I wonder, uh, I don't know how old you are, Will, but this would have been, I mean, if I was riding my bike, we're talking in the late 80s. We're talking mid to late 80s. So we're talking, you know, a long time ago. So uh, I don't know when you started hunting, but these two kids, their dad would go hunting and, uh, you know, with the internet and all these kind of like, I don't know what the term would be, like these new age health type people and all these, you know, the primal health type stuff. Yeah, yeah. Hear about eating like all these internal organs and uh, I yeah. don't know if they did that back in the day. You know, I, I I would say it probably depends on the hunter and how good of a cook they were. Yeah. Now you're in uh, New York, right? Yeah, upstate New York. So did you grow up there? I did. I grew up here, born and raised. Uh, the office I'm in now is actually in addition to my parents' house. So <laughs> I haven't gone very far. Yeah, I, I wonder if like, so uh, my wife's uh, uncle, he's from Pennsylvania. And I just wonder if like, you know, the hunters who maybe didn't do it as sport, but actually did it, who legitimately needed food. Like they were ahead of all this stuff we see on the internet, meaning oh, yeah. in the, you know, like um, somebody recommended a book to me called like Mountain Men and Grizzly Bears. And uh, you saw the movie Revenant where, you know, when he went um, hunt or no, he saw like one of the Indians killed a bear and mm -hmm. they were eating like the heart and, and things like that. And uh, now they have those TV shows and you see these people who live in Alaska off the grid like they know they know that they need to cook the meat, the organs. So those people were really the original primal. Oh, know. yeah. Humanity as a whole, I look at it like this, is it was like we were going up a nice big steep hill, and at some point somebody said, oh, man, all this hunting and killing and cooking, this is farming is too tough to do ourselves. Let's just pay other people to do it. And as they did that, we started descending the hill and all of a sudden we're eating a lot of sugar, a lot of processed shit, not real food. And then all of a sudden now people are like, hey, uh, we've got a big fucking problem. We yeah. need to turn this back up and go back up that hill. Food I is so different now. I always say this. Even I, I have uh, this old book here. Uh, this is like a collection of the uh, articles from the 1960s of the original West Side Barbell articles. So I don't know how much you followed them, but these were the guys, the original powerlifters that were, you know, squatting and benching five, six, seven, eight hundred pounds squats. Oh. And you look at how much they ate. I mean, what they ate in a day is what, you know, I feel like some of the high school kids I train eat in a week, you know, like, and I always say, well, the meats that those guys were eating back then were way different than what they're eating, what we are eating today. Oh, yeah. They were legitimately getting 
probably more like local and you know this word organic is it's like it's just so crazy you know this stuff and it i i look at like the the way we look now so i don't know how old you are but i'm 42 33 43 33 yeah so you're definitely part of that generation where more, more of like the, the younger kids, we saw more kids that were getting fat. We saw all this, um, uh, the, uh, you know, kids being diagnosed, ADD, getting all kinds of meds. Kool-Aid so, with two cups of sugar in it. That, that's what I drank when I was little. Yes. And nobody knew nothing that it was nobody bad for knew, you. Yeah, nobody knew anything. Uh, or they did, but they, they weren't really sure in my... You know, I'm going to like a lot of things just talking about hunting and, and like uh, healthy weight. So my friend Jim, the guy I'm telling you about who goes hunting, he's like, you know, I was looking at a, I think he was looking at a video or a photo from like the late 70s of Evil Knievel when he would like do all the stunts. Mm-hmm. He goes, you see the whole crowd and they're out like somewhere in like Vegas or California. So it's very hot. He goes, the whole crowd, like all the men are just, you know, no shirts on. And he goes, you look through the crowd. He goes, there's not one fat person in the crowd no and a lot of them are ripped they're ripped those are the people that were like smoking cigarettes even when i was in high school so i'm 10 years older than you you know it was like or middle school there was always like these these like groups you had like the burnouts they called them and i remember those guys were built and they would and you knew like that they did uh, a lot of push-ups and curls they smoked cigarettes but we walked everywhere we rode our bikes everywhere and everything was kind of like this you you know you may not have been uh hunting animals but we were out you know out in the woods all that stuff and with that stuff being gone you know we see when i was in school you had like one or two overweight you know fat kids in a class maybe one or two in a class now we see this stuff everywhere. And me with training athletes, I started training athletes religiously around 2002. But I was, you know, co- I was coaching wrestling before that. But when I started working with athletes in 2002, I was getting kids that were tough and fit and could do calisthenics. And then this is what we see every couple of years. We just see this steady decline to like, I'll see a middle school kid and when he has to do push-ups, he like, goes down on one knee, puts his hand on the leg, which is what we would have seen our grandfather do when he was 80, right? And it's like, holy shit, this kid's, you know, 11 years old and he's crouching down like he just had, like he just played uh, in the NFL or he's had (laughs) bad knees. So it's really weird to see um, the de-evolution and it's something that rides on my mind. I, I, whenever I'm interviewing people, and I know you're interviewing me, but whenever I, I interview people, I start like asking, like, how the hell do we change this? And um, people say, look, uh, with all these strength and conditioning gyms and all this organized sport, they're like, that's just not enough. They're like, kids are never going to get back to it until they're back to playing in the streets, playing manhunt in the woods, being God. outside all day, gone all day. They don't do that, including my own kids. Why? Because if my son wants to play baseball, nobody's outside. Yep. Everybody's inside. He, he, they don't even know how to knock on somebody's door. He's like, I gotta, do I call the mom? Did I go, dude, ride your bike up to his house and knock on his door. My wife's like, no, you got to call. You got to text. I'm <laughs> text. like, dude, we don't even, you know, we don't even, um, we're afraid to call people now. I call my buddy Jim. I don't even text him. I go, dude, I'm calling you. It's so <laughs> pathetic that we're afraid to pick up the phone. Yeah, it is, and I I personally like to talk because yeah. I'm a I always misspell things. So I'm always trying to type so quick. Oh, I use Siri, and it says it calls the person a different name. It yep. says sometimes a curse word that I never said, <laughs> like, and it goes to my Bluetooth in the car, so oh, it comes I, out really discombobulated. And when I look at it later, I'm like, God bless this guy for trying to read and decipher <laughs> what I just sent him. He must be like. <laughs> Looking for Morris code. You know, that's, uh, so I graduated in 02 and I grew up building forts. I didn't grow up hunting. I didn't start hunting till my mid to early twenties. And 
my grandfather hunted and he would take me out hunting, you know, mostly bird hunting, but in the woods and we'd be walking and he and my grandmother would both go with the dogs and they'd just walk for an entire day. That doesn't happen much anymore. Not a lot of people doing that. And that would be my thing is it used to be a, there used to be a premium put on spending times with your kids outdoors. Oh yeah. That used to be the thing, whether it was boy scouts or hike. I grew up hiking, camping, uh, shit, you name it. You want to, you know, manhunt. I, Will Bradley was a championship level manhunter. Well, that's New York status in New Jersey. We would have destroyed you. Oh, you don't even know. <laughs> you don't even know up here in the big woods. You, you'd be we gone. had a great area. Our uh, neighborhood was a, was a block. So it was a circle. And then there was a cul-de-sac, which led into the woods, which had water towers. So we were in the woods. I'll never forget. My one buddy was like so skinny. We could not find him. He got out. He had like grease all over him. And he's like, yeah, I, I squeezed under that little, they were like, uh, I think it was called like a Fiero. For yeah. There were these little two-door cars yep. that like the, they were known for like the engine lighting on fire, <laughs> catching fire. He went under that thing. He would squeeze in, you know, with trees that were splitting, he'd squeeze into them. And I look back at all the kids in our neighborhood, and uh, there was one fat kid in the neighborhood. Everybody was fit because we biked, we walked. And with you talking about, you know, the premium of um, spending time with family. So here's what happened, Will. This is what happened. The smartphone. So um, when, my, when my dad would come home, work was over. Nobody called the house about work. He, you know, there was no phone, there was no email, so work was done at work, yes. So now the work day never ends. You come home and, you know, you're still, people are emailing you or they text you. I usually shut off my phone. I put it on airplane mode around 9 o'clock. Sometimes I go until 10, but I try not to. But people will be, you know, when I uh, turn my phone back on in the morning, those text messages are like 10.30, 11.30, midnight, People thinking I'm going to respond to them or I'm awake or maybe I'm sleeping and I'll wake up for that. I put it on airplane mode. So when my, you know, my dad would come home from work, he'd eat dinner and we'd go to the park and we would just do, uh, I remember I, you know, he'd bring me to the park and there would be a bunch of people playing soccer, playing basketball. And it was like all pickup games. You would, you would jump in and nobody, it, that was like the normal thing. And I think kids nowadays won't know how to create a team, mm -hmm. how to settle an argument. Dude, I remember my dad would bring me to a park, and me and him were the only white guys at the park for basketball, for soccer. And I didn't think it was weird. I thought that, like, this was normal thing. And um, This is who's at the park. Right. And uh, when we were playing soccer, those guys were all speaking Spanish. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they would they would yell to me and my dad in Spanish. I was in like third and fourth grade, and so that's the thing is we come home, and people are just the workday never ends, and we're overly connected, and uh, it's a it's a it's and also the work uh, you know our location has no boundaries. So for me, with an online business, people are emailing me from different countries, different time zones. Um, for my gym, what's crazy is like, you know, because, uh, people don't follow directions nowadays, they don't know how to communicate. So like our gym has a two week cancellation policy, you know, they'll, they'll email us three days before they'll text message Day of. 30 minutes before midnight. And, uh, it's like, dude, my phone, my phone's not on. And that's, that's not the policy. But people don't care for policies anymore. And as much as we're moving forward with all this technology and science, um, I, you know, I don't see how life, quality of life is better. You know, we're working like crazy. I, I try real hard to focus on the quality of my life. And one thing we have is our son gets outside at least twice a day. No so, matter. He's... Yeah, he's 19 months, and we've been doing that since, you know, he was old enough to start going outside. Yeah. You know, when it was warmer, it'd be a mile walk, whether he's in the pack or walking and in the pack, mix it up. Fresh and air then, is so good for them. 
It is, and it makes a huge difference. And he just started skiing the other day, and he gets super excited about it. You know, that's all. He, he can't, you know, say many words, but one of the words he say is key, key. And he knows, like, that to him, that means skiing. And he picked up his boots last night. He picked up his ski boots, and he just started kissing them. Oh, and, dude, that's such a great – he's 19 months? Yeah, 19 months old, and it's oh, like – he's the best. We started him in the flat driveway and then got him to a little bumps in the driveway, and this weekend we're heading over to the real little ski hill with the magic carpet that he'll go up and yep. come down the hill. And I attribute it to a few things. Is One is when – where I coach CrossFit, we – they needed me as a coach, so you know I didn't want to leave my buddy hanging and quit when we had the kid, but we also had no – finances to have someone watch him didn't have the ability to watch him so my yep. wife would work out at the same time i would coach and then when i coached the following <laughs> class she'd take him home but he would be in a pack behind me and my yes, wife because she's pretty that. darn good would do all the demo movements and i'd walk everyone through and still do that but he was riding in a pack and still does when <laughs> i coach so dude that that age is great we moved to this town my son was like he was about well, it was February's birthday, June, about like 18 months old or so. But I remember uh, both of our babies. My wife would do like household stuff with the baby in the front or in the back. And every Saturday morning, I would take my daughter in the jogger. And uh, she would always fall asleep around the same spot when I would like get to the hills and do the hill sprints. And I always felt like that fresh air was crucial. Um, just keep, you know, I think boost their immune system and, uh, getting them, getting them outside the, a little bit of vitamin D getting the sun. It's, uh, we're, we're so scared. I think like our parents, you know, people that are thirties, forties and older, they had to do a lot of figuring things out on their own because maybe there was a few books out or you'd have to le legitimately communicate with a friend and figure things out. <laughs> So it's a weird, weird world now because there's no filter on the information. So, you know, um, I could go online and figure out, I don't know, how to cook a steak and there's going to be 50 different videos. Right. I could go online and watch people, you know, uh, deadlifting and, uh, you know, somebody commented on one of our videos. He's like, oh, I cringe. And I'm, I'm looking at it like, man, the kid deadlifted was really good, had like a little bit of emotion in his back, but I'm like, what the heck is this guy thinking? And it's all of the information that they take in. There's no filter. So you have to be able to, uh, I, I made a blog post about this, like figure stuff out on your own. People are so used to just consuming and blindly following, you know, Wait. not, mm -hmm. not really. So meaning how do you learn? You do the damn thing. How did I learn to lift? I read Arnold's Encyclopedia of Modern Bodybuilding, and I made a lot of mistakes, but I train, and that's what gives me the knowledge is I could read all of these books in my office, these hundreds of books, but you don't learn until you're, you know, you know, you know, uh, figuratively get your hands dirty doing the thing. Like, uh, and it's just the bottom line. People are kind of. They think they know what they're talking about through only watching and not doing. And it, not just that, but not just the watching and not doing. It's all the, you know, people might want to just watch YouTube videos, YouTube videos, and they know all of a sudden what to do. They're, they're the coach. They've become the master. They're commenting on your videos, right? They can't deadlift body weight, but here they are commenting on everyone else's videos. It's so pathetic. I, it's just like the, this, uh, I really, yeah, it's really, it's a, it's annoying because what has always been the way was even like the old martial arts, like the early days of UFC, um, you didn't make the video and say, I'm better than you. You showed up to the other person's dojo and challenged them to a fight. That's how like the Gracies always did stuff. People of all kinds of uh, martial art disciplines would show up to the Gracie Academy and on the spot challenge, you know, the Gracies to a fight all the time. And now it's like, and that's how you knew who was really legit. One thing is you're, there we go. and the other, the other thing I've learned, and this is something about myself is Instead of doing, I've learned a lot from videos. Don't get me wrong in the internet yeah. and books, 
But I learned the absolute best when I have found someone who's very, very good at what I want to learn and working with them side by side. And that's something that's gone away. Nobody wants to be an impress, an apprentice. Nobody wants oh, to be yeah. an intern. Everybody wants to come in and be yes. the guru. They want to be the sage on the stage instead of being guided on the side. Yes, I will tell you, um, that's something that's been like a real thorn in my side. And I want to kind of, I want people to really learn from this, especially if you're younger. So with you know, the multiple gyms that I've got, um, I'll, we get interns and sometimes I put out a uh, video or an email to get an intern. Sometimes they approach me and far and few between have been great. And the majority of them have been a lot of talk, a lot of excuses and a lot of headaches. And it's been unfortunate. So, and I'm talking people of pretty high levels. I'm talking people with master degrees, people with PhDs, people who have their CSCS, people who have all these gold standards, but they, you know, I look at this like, okay, did you, if you, I, I'll give this example of a good one. We had a guy uh, that uh, graduated college. He was working at like a big chain, like speed facility. And he had done my certification maybe a year prior and he sent an email or maybe stopped by. I can't remember which it was, but I remember the conversation was he just had to get out of that atmosphere that was like sucking the energy out of him. He wanted to be someplace intense. He goes, I just want to shadow you and learn whatever I can. He goes, I could only do an hour or two a day because then I have to go to work at my other job. So he'd come in and lift with one of our coaches around 2 o'clock. I'd get in at 3.30. Every time he was done lifting, I'm talking every time, he, was, he would vacuum the turf. He would vacuum the gym floor. Even if it wasn't dirty, he was vacuuming. And I was like, this guy here is going to be great. He was shadowing me on one of the days, and he saw me. We wiped down the benches, not just once a day, but if, if, they're, if it's sweaty and there's a group coming in, clean, clean, clean. He saw me do it. I didn't say, hey, do this. I put it away. He saw a bench get sweaty. He walked over, grabbed it, cleaned it. And I was like, this guy's, I didn't say it to him, but I knew that because he paid attention to those details, he was going to be great. And he was, he became a real great strength coach. And then he went on to become a policeman. And then, you know, the detectives, when you're put down as a uh, reference, they call you. And I told, you know, the detective that story. And I go, that's what I loved about him. Is like he did things that you didn't tell him to do, but you just expect people to do. Now, I've had people on the flip side, you're like, I'm like, okay, listen, here's some books you want to get. And then they have an excuse as to why they can't buy a book. You could go on Amazon and buy a book used for like $3.95. <laughs> download it. <laughs> yeah. You could, I mean, you're now can't now with download. The, Right now with the internet, um, you know, nothing is sacred. So you could probably find it for free, right? Like right. all of the stuff is like bootlegged on the internet, but it's like he had an excuse for everything and he was not coachable. He wouldn't listen. So I, I let him go. I had somebody send a big email talking about how they're going to, you know, be all about learning. They want to immerse themselves. They'll clean, they'll scrub toilets. This person never wiped down a bench once. Okay, I got a good guy with me right now. He works. He's got a college degree. He's got a CSCS. But you know what? I'm like, I, I'm almost like afraid to tell people, you got to immerse yourself into it. But he said, I'll come every day if you'll let me. And I'm getting back to where I'm like, why am I so afraid to like tell people to work hard? Like it's, we're scared of it nowadays. So I was like, dude, the more you could do this, the better. The more you could come to this gym, and shadow and train with us and I make him work out with every group. I had an intern, that was the that was the that was the rule. You're gonna train with us. He's like, Oh, I already trained this morning. And I was like, All right, I didn't get into it. But the next day when he said, I go, dude, your internship is your training. If you don't want to do that, go back to your school and let them know that you want to do whatever you want to, man. <laughs> so I'm basically at this point, it's like I, I'm sound a bit cranky, but what I'm trying to tell is I'm not apologizing for having the expectation of excellence. Like we're so scared 
to tell people to be great. Like, like we're afraid to tell them to work hard. And, uh, I'm basically no longer doing that. I, I couldn't agree more. I've hired for our construction business. We've hired one guy and he was younger that just like you say, he was that guy who no matter what needed to be done, he'd do it. Or if he sees, he saw something that needed to be done, he would do it. But I cannot tell you the litany of duds who just could, they just, there are two things they were, three things they were concerned about. One, when was coffee break? Mm-hmm. Two, did they get a smoke break? Yeah. <laughs> and three, did they get a text? And those were the three things they were concerned with most in a work day. Yeah, it's like I just want people to be to be workers, and uh, you and I'm gonna tell you why that stuff happens, because we've gotten too sensitive. We're afraid to tell somebody shut your mouth and work your face off. We're afraid to 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 tell them that, and we're in a society of basically right on Instagram, Facebook, where we're watching everybody. But listen, you're not gonna get anywhere watching people do stuff. If you want to get somewhere, go out and do it. And what you're talking about, there's a guy on Instagram. Um, he's got a very big following. He's got like a big supplement company, Andy Frisella. And I guess he was speaking to like a class. And he goes, the way to succeed is, and he goes, and I promise you, you have to do, if you do this all the time, you'll succeed. And he goes, plus one. He goes, you do everything you're supposed to do. And then you do plus one. You pick up that piece of garbage off the floor. You empty that garbage can and you put a garbage bag back in it. Something's broken and that's not part of your job description. You find a way to fix it. Plus one. I always look for that in other people. Like, does my coach take two minutes, not even, to scan the gym and make sure everything's organized? Does my coach empty the garbage can every time? Does my coach wipe down the sink and wipe down the toilet seat? Those things take seconds. Very simple, but they are the things, they are the little hinges that swing big doors. <laughs> That's very true. And I don't know some I don't know if somebody was quoting you or someone else, but somebody said, Never in the history of man have we ever recorded and celebrated mediocrity so much i don't think i said that but i i've i say good enough is the death of greatness and a lot of people are into the good enough (laughs) have you seen uh what's a movie uh it's about a jazz drummer and it's oh yes 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 and it is a phenomenal movie i just watched it the second time the other day i want to say it's like rim shop but it's called whiplash whiplash that's oh what it is God, and is it intense? that that guy the te- the instructor that's my kind of guy that's yeah, my kind of instructor have there been two words more like uh, harmful to harmful yeah in than, the english language than, than good job or yes. was it good yeah good job good and job. That, that's the moment where it's like shit shit how many times myself have i been like that's- oh that's good enough. We do it ourselves, yes. Dude, that was intense. That might be on Netflix, but people could listen. And if you go on YouTube, you'll see the like the trailer for it, Whiplash. A buddy of mine uh, recommended that to me. Movies that were tell you what, so the on the the world or on the on the word of excellence is uh, I'm not sure if I pronounce it right. Yero Dreams of Sushi. J I R O. Yep. You saw that? Yep. That is recommended watching really for everybody. And uh, you you see how he makes like if you want to be an apprentice under Euro, um, you don't even get to touch a piece of food in his sushi bar for six months. You're only like cleaning dishes and mopping the floor. You don't touch anything. And then the first thing you touch is like one vegetable six months down the road. You don't even get to touch the fish. And it's like this, it's this process. It's like, it's like buds for sushi. It's like right? seal training for being, you know, a sushi chef. And there's like a six month wait to get into it. And he's in a subway nonetheless. You know, he's not out in like an affluent um, area. He's in the, He's in a subway. So if you're, I think Arnold Schwarzenegger had dinner there and he must have had to 
set that up six months in advance. And and that's kind of the cool thing is you can have greatness anywhere. It can be anywhere. A lot of people get too hung up on getting everything perfect before they begin or mm-hmm. thinking they have to be in the perfect situation to start or really become what they want to be. There's no such thing as perfect. No. There's, you know, and that is like, and that's when you could thrive under imperfection, uh, then you're going to get, you're going to get somewhere. And that goes for, you know, whether I'm training for sports, you know, my last podcast topic with, was uh, training for life, which is, you know, just training hard to give you the confidence to, you know, to get up day in, day out. Like your son is 19 months when you have more than one kid. And no, I do. Older? Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, is the other uh, one older, younger, baby? He is now three weeks old. Oh, that's amazing, dude. Yeah. I'm it pretty goes, stoked. It just goes so fast, man. It does. And they get to that age of like seven, eight, nine, ten, and you get real busy. You have to be strong and fit because otherwise you won't have the energy to keep up with them and to do all the things that we do for kids nowadays. And uh, it's, you know, being strong to me, it's like you don't you don't have an option. That's why I always find a way to train. I'll train with the college wrestlers. I'll train in my garage. I'll friggin' drive my car to a playground during the warmer time of the year and just tons of pull-ups and push-ups and lunges and using all the monkey bars. And I'm like, just just train. I'm not trying to make it perfect. I'm not trying to complicate it, but I train hard. Whatever just I do. move move your muscles and move some weight. Move uh-huh. something. And that it's, trains the mind. Keeps and, your edge. Yeah. Growing up, my dad's always been kind of an old school look on things very much like work hard do your best like that was always ingrained in me when i started i started working full-time during summers doing construction when i was 14 years old and let me tell you you think son of the boss gets any special treatment not in this company yeah not in this company you get the hardest (laughs) treatment because you are a reflection of your dad so if you're given a little bit less than the best then the people start saying, Hey, you know, why, you know, why is your son getting easy and not us? And so, yeah, I have higher expectations of my kids. When my kids come to my gym and it's very hard to draw a line and say, I'm just the dad, I'm not the coach, but I don't care. Like I can't, when you walk into my gym, I'm just the coach and I, I don't treat anybody different. That was always the thing about the underground strength gym was nobody was special. You didn't get no special treatment. You know, you didn't, you're not, you're not a special snowflake. We're all going to be workhorses <laughs> while we're here. And if you can't do that, then I don't want you here. And that my kind of like alter ego comes in when I train and when I train others as well. My immediate thing is I have that coach's eye and I could see if anybody is somewhat slacking. I could see it. And it always comes back around to bite them in the butt. It does. It, and I can honestly say there was times in my life in high school where, you know, I'm phoning it a little in a little bit. But for the most part, I was very untalented, but I made it much farther than I should have for just on hard work alone. Yeah. Hard and work is the gift. That's what I say. It, it is. And it's the gift that keeps on giving because you can continually do that while talent will only take you so far. I've seen it like people think that's a cliche. It's a cliche for a reason. You know, I've worked with the guys from, you know, athletes from youth to division one to Olympic level. And, you know, uh, the one that slacks off somewhere in life or training and everything is training. You know, I always say it's not just when you're moving your body. It's the books you read, the movies you watch. It's the friends you have. It's the time you go to sleep, the food that you eat when you wake up. It's all training. And if you slack in any part or any piece of that puzzle, it will be the dividing line of you being great and making your, yourself part of the history books versus uh, being the person that was just part of the team. Or even I've worse, getting cut. Yeah, I, I've seen it so much. I'm, the toughest thing for me is uh, I just do not understand parents or, or kids who don't care to be great. They're just like, yeah, I'm just part of the team and I'm, I'm losing all the time or, you know, I win sometimes, sometimes I lose. 
you know, it's like a 50-50 win loss or, or worse. It's, you know, like a 70-80 loss to a 20-30 win percent. And I'm like, that shit hurts. How do they not try to figure shit out on their own and fight? I, you know, in this world of all this information, Will, when I see a kid who wrestles or plays football who's getting his butt kicked, I'm like, don't parents, like, look for, like, a local gym? Or doesn't that kid go on YouTube and look for, like, football workouts? Uh, if he's, you know, back in the day, we would pick up, uh, you're 30. So you're at that like cusp when things were first year millennials, you start, things are starting to go digital. But for me, if it was like, I needed to gain weight or build muscle, I had to go find a book at the bookstore or go to the library and read about what these guys were eating, how they were training and the access that we have nowadays to all the information because it's easier is why we see so many people not being feeling threatened when they're not succeeding. Meaning, well, if I'm not, if I'm not winning on wrestling, I'll just quit the team. Mm-hmm. You know, like I, you don't, there's, you quit. You yeah, I'll just quit. Like whatever. Let's, punch that easy button and off you go. Yeah. I'm just going to quit. And now I'm going to punish the coach by quitting. And the bottom line is you want to achieve something. It takes time. My friend sent me a text message. His son started wrestling. My friend said, man, I've played team sports all my life when I was a kid. This wrestling thing is something new. His son got pinned in the first period, and he goes, we had friends and family out. I go, look, dude, it's going to take time, and I'm talking some years. I go, your son's going to have to get to a wrestling club. He's going to have to lift. He's going to have to actually get mean. He's going to have to learn to flip the switch when he wrestles. And it's going to be a lot. It's going to be a lot of things that have to get done. And, um, we, you know, we're just in, in a world where my friend understands it. He's a guy that works. And the toughest thing is we have to teach it to our kids. And they're not in a world where, you know, like I'm always like, okay, my daughter has a computer. My daughter has a Mac. I'm like, when I was in high school, I did my homework on a typewriter. <laughs> what the hell? You know, so it's so different. Well, here's here's something I see, and that is kids will do what you show them. Yes. Kids will follow your lead. Yep. My son, he, one night after dinner, he started getting restless in his high chair, so I, I let him get out. He went to the corner and, for the first time ever, just started doing burpees on his own. He's little doing it. That's, down to the ground. Normal. Yeah up and he jumps in the air and it was like holy shit he he can barely jump but those toes were getting off the ground i had this conversation with the with um my buddy and even we were like conversing like we're jumping all over the place will but we're talking about hunting as well but i told him like you know with my garage gym set up i had a climbing rope from the moment we moved into this house and my son started climbing rope Mm -hmm. at at like a year and a half or a year and uh seven eight nine months whatever he was and my daughter sees me deadlifting and doing farm walks down the street. To them, that's normal to be yep. strong, to be fit. And, you know, you were talking about hunting, how people were saying, like, it's um, uh, like we shouldn't hunt and things like this. So the guy that I interviewed and took notes on it um, was talking about a story with, uh, yes, I think the wolves were removed from, like, Yellowstone yep. National Park. You know that story? And because uh, they thought the wolves were like, you know, uh, eating, you know, they were being, they were, they were being too much predators. They were not the prey of something else. And they said when they took the wolves out, it like totally messed up the whole ecosystem. There was like flooding, and the and the and there was like an overabundance of too many of this animal, too much fish of this. It caused more disease amongst the animals. And they brought back just like a small pack of wolves. And they said the stream started flowing different. It changed everything. And I always say, like, as much as I want people to succeed, there's a human food chain. We can't all be great. Like all those guys that were working construction, if they were all great, then all of those 15 employees would have their own company with 15 employees. We'd be building houses everywhere, but there's not enough room for that. Someone's got to dig a ditch. It's... I know. That's the truth. And too many and some people, people are perfectly happy being that fifth, seventh, eighth guy on the totem on the you know on the totem pole. Yep. 
in, in these days, there's so few guys like that. You can get well paid to be that guy. Ah, <laughs> uh, I know. Isn't that true? It's uh, very true. I see it all the time. And yeah, who wants to get their hands? Who's going to do some manual labor, get their hands dirty? I mean, 10, 20 years from now, maybe we will have robots that we could buy. Who right. Do that's... The, you lay the bricks and things like that. But even... When I had my first house, uh, the mason who like redid our brick and our sidewalk, he was, I don't know if he was 60. He may have been like early 60s. No, I think his son was like 25, 26. So maybe he wasn't in his 60s yet. But um, I remember they broke everything by hand. And um, I remember I got them pizza during their uh, lunch break. And uh, his son and some of the other guys were, like, laying under the tree, catching shade. And the dad was eating pizza and, like, slapping the cement down and laying a brick. He was eating with one hand and laying brick while his son, who's half his age, maybe even – maybe – the guy definitely had to be in his 50s. Let's say he's 30 years older than his son. He was outworking everybody and eating the food at the same time while they're laying in the shade. I work with guys like that and I can work hard with these guys. They're animals when it comes to work. One of them said, if I die and come back as anything, I want to come back as a beaver because they're the hardest working animal in the animal kingdom. And it's like, fuck, I, you can't teach that. I don't know how you teach that. Maybe you can teach it, but I've, I have I not learned I, how to I teach that I think it's yet. your, it's your environment, meaning you know, I look at like the kids I train. If they're coming from this town or that town, okay, that's a blue collar town. Coming from this this town or that town, okay, that's a bit of like a privileged town, and everybody there is kind of soft. And if they got punched in the face, they wouldn't know what to do. So your environment is key. Just like um, in certain areas of Russia, there's wrestlers come out of there, MMA fighters come out of this place, or if you are in certain area of, of Florida. It's a baseball area, you know, so your environment and your geography and of course, you know, who you see every day, your family or your friends, mm -hmm. you know, if I live in Compton, um, I'm probably, you know, there's probably certain things in Compton that, that, that location creates a cyclical effect of mm -hmm. people doing the same stuff in Compton. So going a little to training, my sister coaches the local high school ski team. And when she was in high school, she actually led her team to the downhill state championships, and they won. Yeah. And one thing we were talking about today, because I knew I was going to have you on, I said, hey, this is who this guy is. Is there any questions you know, you'd have that you would ask him being a high school coach? And she's like, yeah. And you know what my one regret is about skiing? And I'm like, what's that? She goes, I wish I was stronger. I wish I was fitter. Feel it. Yeah. She's like, we didn't do any weight bearing training when I was skiing. Right. And she's like, that's the one thing. Is she I older wish. than you or no? Younger. She's younger than me. Like that's by interesting. five years. Yeah, but I didn't uh, either. Because I saw, I trained a girl over the summer who we live in a beach town, but I think her parents were from Vermont. They live down here. She goes to Vermont, she lives there, and she's on a ski team. And I saw a, um, like an Instagram video of uh, the ski team, the high school kids going through, it may have been a prep school, so it may have been middle school. They had like a weight room much nicer than the college weight room I train out of. Mm -hmm. And the skiers were training. And what we did with this one girl, she was going into ninth grade, so she just turned 14, is what I do with all beginner athletes. And uh, we do calisthenics, we do a lot of carries, and we do a ton of sled and band work. So sled drags, forwards, backwards. We do a lot of band pull-aparts, band push-downs. Well, basically, it's like building a house. You're building a real strong foundation. We do push-ups and recline rows, lunges, squats. When they get good at that, they could do squat jumps. They could do weighted push-ups. You know, the girls tend to have a harder time on some of the upper body stuff. But uh, I trained this one girl. She's a swimmer. She's an animal. She can do pull-ups. I mean, she's like the Terminator. She just kills it. <laughs> so strong. It's because she built that foundation in the early years. 
So I always say, if I could do three things with athletes, carries, calisthenics, and sleds, we could build some real powerful athletes because the calisthenics can go from ultra basic beginner to you know plyometric and jump training, or you could do weighted calisthenics, weighted pull-ups, weighted push-ups, weighted dips. Um, and I like to do a lot of band work for the shoulder health, a lot of band pull-aparts, a lot of face pulls, a lot of push-downs to keep the elbows healthy. And those are the, the arms or the support structure. So if I was trained skiers, I'd also do, you know, our carries are different to help develop like stability of the trunk and strength mm-hmm. of the back. Oh yeah. So we'll do, we'll start with farmer walks. Then we progress to rack walks. Then we start progressing to some of the different objects, carrying a sand ball here, or if you carry a sand ball on your right shoulder, the ball is trying to pull you to the right. So your left side is stabilizing. Right. So we'll carry right side, left side. Um, I'll carry different weights. So two different weights in each hand. So let's say carry 80-pound dumbbell in one hand, 50 pounds in another. Carry it to the end, squat down, turn around. Now you got your hand switch. You could also zigzag carry. You could do different positions, rack and overhead, rack and farmer walk. We'll put uh, bands through the kettlebells and hold the bands, and the bouncing of the band makes your shoulders traps work harder. Um, We'll carry dumbbells, kettlebells, two different objects at the same time. And all those different carries, I mean, you, you know, you're from, you're from upstate New York. We're really, what I'm doing is trying to build this kind of farm boy strength on these kids. And it's amazing. You could, you could tell nowadays compared to 10, 12, 15 years ago, when I began training kids, we'll do sledgehammer strikes on a tire. (laughs) Kids do not even know how to swing a hammer. They don't even – it's amazing. It's just funny you mention that because growing up skiing, there was a town called South Lewis, and it was a big ag town. Their whole ski team was farm boys, and they were the best. They were some of the best not only in the area but some of the best in the state in the northeast. Probably and, fearless, oh, strong. Yeah. Fearless, strong, just wild, wild guys, and they were strong as all hell. You know, the kind of guys who in high school, you look at their forearm, it's bigger than your bicep and had veins going all down it. Just Mm -hmm. strong guys. And I think what you see a lot now is parents are showing weakness, and so they're teaching weakness. That's it. And look, not to knock them, but uh, most dads, you know, in their 40s and 50s couldn't do 10 push, can't do 10 push-ups. And... um, you know, my dad, we moved to this country from Israel. My dad was in the Israeli army, so was my mom. When we moved to New York, then we moved to New Jersey, my memories of my dad, he would he tied a rope to the sled, the wooden sled with the steel bottoms, and he would put my brother and I plus his friend on the sled, he'd run us through the snow, he'd pull us up over curbs. And now that I know how hard it is to drag a sled, I'm like, dude, my dad dragged the three of us for like a half an hour. I don't know how the hell he kept doing it or how or or if he passed out when he got home, but he did it every time it snowed. He would pull us and we held on for dear life. And that shit is exhausting. But to me, that's the kind of training, you know, skiers need that trunk stability. They need strong legs. Upper body and lower body, everything's a unit. You know, back extensions, trap bar deadlifting when they're strong enough. And, uh, you know, the basics, they never let you down if you work hard at them. That's very true. And I think, you know, that's the kind of dad bod you want. <laughs> dad, I'm an anti-dad bod. <laughs> Me too. I just want strong, man. Just be be useful. That was a... My buddies did a podcast, uh, the guys at Power Athlete, they did a podcast with Chris McDougal who wrote the book Born to Run and Natural Born Heroes, and uh, he spoke about how he just wanted to train to be useful. So he goes, whatever I did, it would, it, I was running or carrying or splitting wood, he goes, I just wanted to be useful. And it was so inspiring to just hear that, be useful, mm-hmm. and it made me want to do a lot of general physical preparation. Be the guys your friend wants help from. Boom. Yeah. Truth. So here are some questions after I asked her, what are some questions you or advice you would give maybe to some other coaches out there? And one is, 
what is your opinion on positive and negative reinforcement when it comes to athletes? So I think that if you're going to say something that's, I don't want to call it even negative, a truth to, mm-hmm. to a kid that he's not working hard enough, you have to follow it up or you should follow it up with a positive, like, I know you're capable and you just need to put in a little more effort and make that become your habit and you are going to crush it. But if it's always like, you're lazy, you suck, mm-hmm. and then it's that's it, uh, probably not the best. But sometimes, sometimes you do have to rip into a kid and let a kid know that, hey, uh, you are not stepping it up. You are not pushing yourself. You are not following through. You're wasting your parents' money by showing up here, but you don't eat breakfast. You don't work hard. You don't do anything on your own at home. And the reason why I'm telling this is because I care about you and I don't want to see you, you know, just being average or below average. And I've ripped in the kids before, sometimes pretty bad, but I do it because I care, not because I'm just trying to be a dick. So my whole thing is I love a positive, fired up, intense atmosphere. Is it for everybody? I I hate to say it. Sometimes people just don't give a shit. Sometimes people are just like, they don't care if they suck. Because it's easy to just be part of the team, and it's even easier to not be part of the team, to just go home and play video games every day. The challenge is when you're always trying to just to win, to better yourself. To It's tough. But then if when that becomes part of you, it's like you're lost when you're not working hard. you know. And that's probably what I've learned from wrestling is like effort, effort, intensity, intensity, and train to win. You know, be, nothing wrong with being competitive. No, definitely not. Uh, how would you deal with, say, a group of kids, you know, mostly young boys you see are worried about, I would say, trying too hard or looking like they're trying too hard so they don't look cool in front of their friends? You know, in high school, sometimes it can be yeah. uncool to be the guy who doesn't give a shit. Don't, yeah, yeah. Somebody uh, said they're like, don't, don't be such a try hard. Is that what they call yeah, it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So, uh, well, look, you know, I don't want followers. Be a leader. And if you want to be successful, you have to be okay with standing out and not being part of the normal. And uh, I think that if we, and, and it comes down to geography and environment. So, you know, my buddy and I, Joe DeSeno, always talk about starting a school together. Before you even get to enter the school, you have to do 10 burpees. And, you know, we're probably going to, the, the, you, your day would be filled around a lot of physical activity, and that would be our norm. So everybody would want to try hard. That would be our normal. They wouldn't be afraid of sweating and, and doing the work. So um, what kind of friend is it who's telling you don't try hard? That's what I say. That's a good point. How about girls versus boys? Do you approach them differently when you coach? Yes. So not so much in the exercise selection but more so in the way I speak with them. So the boys get a much more intense, more aggressive, a little less um, soft approach, whereas the girls, I'm a little bit softer with my approach, mainly because, you know, when I train them, it tends to be one or two girls and then five to 15 boys. So they tend to feel out of place. But if I was training just a group of girls and there are no boys in the gym, then we'd probably be able to be more intense and getting after it so i'm kind of dealing with they feel uncomfortable because they're the only girl but um you know my daughter's in sixth grade and she comes to the gym um and i'm i'm tough on her um but the girls that come you know i i I definitely have a softer tone with them but they squat they trap bar deadlift they dumbbell bench they lunge they farmer walk they do all that stuff they jump they do it all and how, how do you handle difficult parents? Well, we, or I don't want to say we, because there's no we really. My gym, um, I used to have a gym that was in a location that uh, my gym was on this side. And there was a commercial gym right next to us. And it was like a parking lot. So the parents would kind of like hover over the where the garage door would open. And I got to the point where I just stopped letting them hover in that area. Because they were trying to coach from afar, they're cheering their kid on, and I, 
basically told them that, you know, you distract your child or your child wants to impress you and we say stay at that weight, but he knows you're watching and he's afraid of what you're going to say in the car. So he goes heavier and then his back looks like his spine is going to shoot out of his skin. So you've got to stay in the car. So on my website, it says like, we don't allow parents in the gym because it's become a liability issue. And, um, and the thing is also like, we're just afraid to tell parents, Hey, here's the problem with your child. He is being lazy. He's not following through. Um, a lot of parents want to have an excuse for it. You know, well, the cat died yesterday and this and that. And, and, uh, that's a serious problem is like, we're not allowed to say to parents, look, your child is fucking up. Right. And, uh, you know, because you get in trouble. I've seen many coaches get fired because they're too mean. And you want to know what mean is? They care about you. So they're going to work you very hard. I saw some coach in New Jersey, a football coach, um, got fired. I think he was coaching like almost 30 years. And like the parents and the kids went behind his back. They wrote all these kind of like complaints, put them together, took it to the administration. And they said he makes his training the heat, this and that. And he goes, last time I checked, uh, football starts in mid-August. And uh, from what I recollect, mid-August is usually quite hot. So we are going to train in the heat because it's mid-August in New Jersey, which could be like in the 90s. Okay, so and it's not going to be 60 degrees in August. That's not happening until like mid-October, early October. So he's like, and yes, I train them hard to prepare for what's going to happen on the football field. He said that like, you know, it is a dangerous sport. And if I don't train them hard, uh, I'm putting them at risk for injury. So, uh, and then he got fired and he goes, I'm disappointed that people I've known for so many years went behind my back and complained. And then they just kind of dismissed me, you know, so the administration didn't say, Hey, um, we're going to look into this. They got rid of the coach and then they looked into it. Uh. That's the, you know, and it's weakness begets weakness. It's, uh, yeah, it's really, you know, that's why, um, uh, you gotta be careful. Like where your kids go to school, what is the, what is the, you know, the norm in that school? It, it that worries me already as a mm-hmm. young father. And I'll tell you what, I'd be happy if they got rid of gym and replaced it with a strength and conditioning class. Personally. Well, that's what it should be. But they, you know, listen, I've been independent for like eight, nine years. And um, in all these years of emailing coaches and uh, even knowing administrators, I've only been brought in once to a school to teach anything on strength and conditioning. Even my quote unquote friends who are administrators, they don't bring me in. And, um, yeah, I always say like the reason, a big reason why I want to get back to teaching is I'm just tired of driving by fields, seeing phys ed teachers on the side, drinking coffee, 20 kids sitting on the bleachers, 20 kids walking super slow. And it's like, is that the best you're going to give those kids? Cause that, I don't like that because those are the very people who I reach out to, to help who also say, I don't. We don't need your help. So we're in a real strange world where that is an example of good enough and being a, you know, a clock puncher. And, and I think once parents start seeing a disparity between, you know, more and more parents getting involved in whether it's, you know, a power athlete thing or underground strength or they're into CrossFit, whatever it may be, when you see these parents' kids coming up and they're just beating the snot out of all the other kids in school – that's when people will start to care. Yeah, it's weird. Some some places they don't, you know. It, it's like some parents get it. They're like, whoa, my child's getting crushed. I need to find an answer. Let me ta- do some let – me, let me move forward. Let me take some action. Where I always give an example of the town I live in, the wrestling team gets killed all the time, all the time. And those kids do not go to wrestling clubs. We have probably some of the best wrestling clubs in the country, 15 minutes either way, and they don't do it. And it's like, listen, your kid is missing two things, wrestling club and underground strength gym. But the reason is 
uh, Louis Simmons said it. He goes, look, I'm not trying to be mean here, but a sucky team, sucky coach. That's what he said. If the coach stinks, then the kids are probably going to stink. That's the bottom line. <laughs> Very true. Very true. Well, on that note, Zach, it has been <laughs> a absolute pleasure talking yep. to you. Thanks, if Will. people want to go check out Underground Strength, where can they head? Where can they reach out to you if they may have any questions or they're interested in doing? I know you run some classes for coaches to certifications. Uh, where yep. can they check this all out? Uh, Strong Life Podcast on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, ZachEvanish.com. So uh, Z-A-C-H-E-V-E-N-E-S-H.com. And uh, if you Google Underground Strength Coach, you'll find the Underground Strength Gym. You'll find the Underground Strength Academy. Um, Underground Strength Coach Certification, we now do it online. We recorded uh, two certifications. We recorded workouts from both of my locations, training indoors, outdoors. Just blew the socks off of that thing. So, um, And uh, Instagram and uh, YouTube is Z Evanesh. So pretty easy to find if you just kind of Google underground strength coach. Well, thank you very much. And people, please subscribe, like, share this, leave a review. We appreciate it. And until next time, live your life.